I'm Don Ennis. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. And you're in the transporter room. You know, Carly, ever since last week's episode, I have had a bit of trouble. And it's something that I'm not proud of. It's not like I have a really big problem, but I admit I have a problem. You know, I know when someone says their pronouns are they, them, that that's their pronouns. I've reported on this for years. I know it in my heart. And yet somehow I sometimes screw up. And while I can make an excuse about, gee, I guess I slipped or, oh, I made a mistake and I'm only human, it hurts. It hurts me when someone uses he, him or his to refer to me. And I'm sure I've caused hurt when I've said she, her or she, hers to someone who uses they, them. So I just wanted to take this time right at the top to say, I'm really, really sorry. And I'm gonna work on this. And I've been working with non-binary folks and other people who are old like me on how they deal with they, them. And I've been practicing. I'm really sorry. For National Women and Girls in Sports Day, we have a very special guest. We have a couple from Arizona, Jen and Mike, who are raising their 10-year-old trans girl, Zoe. Carly, would you do the honors and set coordinates for Arizona? Coordinates are set. We are energizing. <laughs> Welcome, Mike. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. It's thank you for wonderful being here. And Jen and Mike, thank you for agreeing to ask Zoe to join us in just a few minutes. I'm really looking forward to talking to Zoe. She's 10 years old. I'm looking forward to this as well. I'm excited to meet this kid. Now, I want to just make it clear. We're using names that aren't your real names because we want to make sure that there's absolutely no chance of your identity or your daughter's identity becoming a target. We don't want anyone to be hurt. So we're using names that Sid used in his article yesterday in Outsports.com on Tuesday. And I think that what matters most is for you to tell us about your daughter. Tell us about Zoe. Well, not to tell. <laughs> that is, you, you start. That is a, a tale to tell. Um, from the very beginning, um, Zoe was cut from a different cloth in the sense that she charts her own course, no matter what it is and where we go and what we're doing. Um, she just marches to the drum beat that works for her. And that is something that as parents, she's um, the youngest of three and it wasn't our first rodeo. So- yeah, we have two other, we have two other daughters. Um, and Zoe came along at a time where we thought we were done having kids. You yep. know, oops, we, oops, surprise, surprise. I had the same <laughs> issue. Yeah, we have three in our house too. Yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> surprise. And what a lovely surprise she has been because we thought this was pretty much our, our you know, we were going to have a son. And by the time Zoe was about two and a half or three years old, yeah, two and a half, three. Zoe made it very clear to us that 
although we were giving her all the superheroes and all of the things that other little boys of that age would like, that those were not the things, those were not the clothes, those were not the toys that our Zoe preferred. There was a breakdown in the store, wasn't there? Oh, reading about this big breakdown, meltdown. (laughs) Well, you know, Batman shirt, you know, with shorts and in the middle of a shoe store putting on shiny pink shoes. They were about as bright as you could possibly (laughs) imagine. Neon, screaming neon fuchsia. And so there's this little child, you know, a toddler with, you know, this, this, you know, cute little face and, you know, Batman and, and then these sparkly pink shoes. And with a string in between <laughs> walking around the aisle. And of course, parents, you know, when your kid starts throwing a tantrum, the first thing you do is you do not give in, right? This is not like a lollipop, right? Good parenting, exactly. Yes, you know, your kid throws a tantrum and it's like, okay, here we go. Mama Bear is, is ready to go, uh-uh, not gonna happen. You know, set the rules, set them early. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this child, said, you know, no, buy, buy the mommy or whatever. And I still remember. I want you to buy them. Buy you know, them. Why aren't you buying them? It was, I want them. And we're saying, uh-uh, the more you want them, the more we're going to take them right off you. And next thing I know, little Zoe is over dad's shoulder and kicking dad in the chest <laughs> as hard as possible. And oh my goodness. trying to pry the shoes off of Zoe's <laughs> feet physically. And this kid is now screaming bloody murder. And what was a cute moment turned into a terrifying moment because the people in the red shirt started kind of walking towards us thinking we were like kidnapping this child or something. <laughs> Call child services quickly. Yes. And so we, we ended up just, I grabbed the box, could not remove the shoes without harming my husband. Right. And grab the box, check out, get into the parking lot. And Mike looked at me and said, you know something, we can't ever take this kid shoe shopping again. <laughs> and we knew as, a, as parents, even at around age three, two and a half, three, well, she'd, go in your, she'd go in your closet and <clears throat> wear your shoes and she'd walk around high heels better than my eight year old. Um, but, but again, we thought that in some sense early on that that was a phase. There were lots of, <clears throat> lots of boys that we knew, you know, just talking to other friends and family or what have you that it was dress up, you know, it was, it was dress up. It was play. It was, you're learning, learning the ropes of what's this and what's that. And Hey, that's a cool, shiny object. Let's put that on. So we just sort of, you know, played it out, you know, it wasn't really one particular incident, but we just played it out. That was it little over three years old that the pink shoe event and then it just kind of you know spawned on from there once she got into school um she would literally come home from school and rip off her clothes her boy clothes at the front door run run into her sister's closets and throw on their old bell dress and prance around and spin around and was happy (laughs) as a clam and um, that would, you know, just continually happen, which, which, you know, in retrospect, you look at it and you say, I think she's trying to tell us. Something. <laughs> so let's see how this plays out, you little, know, little voice, you know, try, trying to express herself. And at that age, I think most parents don't really scrutinize how their child plays or expresses um, 
his or herself. And it was an interesting um, transition and change for us to see how much more forceful it started to become where suddenly Zoe didn't want to just wear the dresses and headbands and sparkly things at home. It was, well, I'd like to take a, a compact or a mirror for show and tell to school because these, this is the thing that I really like and I want to show my friends and I want to show my peers. They all get to bring something that is important to them. This is what's important to me. And we started to have a little bit of friction of saying, well, but, but it, but you can't. And then it was a, well, but why? Why can I not express, you know, the toys that I like and the clothes that I like and the things that are me outside of our home? And so there were times where we would let Zoe, you know, wear our skirt or whatever she was wearing around and we'd throw her in the car and we'd go over to the store. Mm -hmm. And it became a, a terrifying moment for her if she thought she saw someone who might know her. So here's this little child just wanting to be her and already facing, but they expect me to be someone else that I'm not. And we had a hard time as, as parents, not um, with her being happy, of course, but we became more and more aware the older she was getting at four, five and six, that there was something not aligning to the expectations that were being placed on her and that she was only able to be who she wanted to be and who she is at home. And it was hard to try to force her to put on the clothes that we were saying she should wear, but did not reflect her. And so they would just come off as soon as she would come home. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, but there were, there were circumstances like when I think I was out on a trip and you went to, you went to a restaurant and you know you guys all dressed up and what was that what was that how old was she oh she was she was a, about um first grade you know you mean the the old um seinfeld nod oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. at yeah at the italian restaurant yeah. i'll give you a little glimpse of zoe's personality <laughs> okay dad's out of town and mom says, let's go and, and have a, a girl's night. We'll go out to a restaurant. You can wear whatever you want. And of course, Aww. you know, Zoe puts on this. She has a short haircut, like a pixie cut. She puts on a beautiful little headband and a little dress. And she has her little purse. And we all go into a little <laughs> Italian restaurant. And we were walking up the stairs. And the waitress kind of turned and looked. And she said, oh, it's ladies night and she didn't know what to say it was a cute moment but she caught herself kind of knowing that zoe was was dressed up you know in clothing that didn't match um her haircut at that time sure. some so, people call it femme. yes <laughs> it was one of those moments and so we, we sit down at the table and zoe is facing another couple and I see out of the corner of my eye, this other couple looked at Zoe and gave an odd expression. And the way that Zoe reacted was a head turn, perfectly chin down, stink eye. <laughs> <laughs> as, oh. like a first grader. And I, I was like, that from my mother. oh my goodness. <laughs> and so I had to have a little chat with Zoe about, you know, that 
yes, it's great to be proud of who you are, but when someone may give you a funny look, let's not give them the, the stink eye in return. <laughs> it was you let uh, them know exactly. I like I like I like Zoe already. Yes, she was she could play for my team. I'll tell you that now. I would I would take this kid on my team now. Yes. I think you said that there was like two laser beams coming out of her eyes. Oh, she just. (laughs) That is it. She gave the look. Um, And and that is uh from from a young age. You know, she just really, the more I, I, as mom, would try to force. Well, the Batman preference. Oh, oh my God. Like every parent thinks it's them. We all think it's all about us, right? We think everything we do. You have a vision of what your kid's going to be. Even, you know, my kids behind me here, uh, 22, 18, and 14, to me, they're always going to be babies that I, I, I had these ideas of what they would do and what, what they would look like and what they might become, but it's really up to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the yeah. early years, well, I... there was the Halloween. I right. mean, that, that was really the, that was probably really the kicker. Halloween, that was, she was probably... Four and a half. Yeah, four and a half. pre-K. So there was of this big festival at the um, elementary school where our, our other two children went, and um, she wanted to dress up as Elsa. Elsa. I pushed for Olaf, but you know, so we had we had an Olaf cons, uh, costume. We had, <laughs> had to buy both. <laughs> you know, we had to buy both. You know, because we at that time we were buying double clothes. Yeah. Right. So we would have. How old? How old was Zoe then? Four and a half. Yes, probably about four and a half. Yeah, so we had boy clothes that we buy, and then we had girl clothes that we buy. Because she was taking her older sister's clothing, trying to jump on trampolines in things that were like four sizes <laughs> yeah, too big. Too big. Yeah, like, I got that one over well. I had a yeah. sister, so. Oh. <laughs> so she was Elsa, and we were at a park, and it was open, and it's sort of a festival, and there's games and other types of things. And one of her teacher's aides, um, came over and said hello said hello to the family but gave an odd expression she didn't say anything nasty or judgmental but she gave a quirky look yes and when she then walked away zoe looked right at me this is four and a half and said mommy she didn't like my dress and that makes me sad And I was shocked that one a four and a half year old could even read that expression, mm-hmm. let alone say it and also say, this is how it made me feel. Very high functioning, your daughter. Yes, very perceptive. And also an athlete? Carly wanted to ask about that. You know, what, she, what, was, what, was the, what was the experience of having to deal with this transition through the prism of sports, what was that like for you? Well, our first attempt at sports was before we understood that Zoe is transgender, okay? And so when Zoe was very young, we tried to have her play soccer and thought this is gonna be great because she's just gonna play soccer with with boys, you know, because we didn't understand she was transgender at the time. And what we found was that she had nothing in common with those other kids and all these kids are, are chasing the soccer ball and there is zoe on the sidelines trying to play 
you know, in the grass and didn't fit in with peers at a very, very young age. I mean, we're talking between four and six and could not get her to want to engage. She only wanted to play with girls. So whether it was at school running around, we got her into co-ed tennis and a co-ed tennis was an easy thing to do because the boys and girls were mixed. So it, was, it wasn't an, an issue, right? Then when she wanted to play um, soccer as she got older and once she was going to school socially transitioned, now that became a different story because birth certificate says one thing and you want her to be able to play with her peers and not be outed because she's clearly dressed and presenting as female. So we were not able to engage in sports except for co-ed tennis for those early years like my other daughters could simply because if we tried to, it would be known, right? So she was fine with just doing other things with friends and doing things at school and playing co-ed tennis. And then we kind of got to that point as she got older where we said, you know what, there needs to be some change with birth certificates so that she can enroll and play in sports um, on the team with her peers, with her friends. You know, No easy feat in Arizona either. Right. And and not have to have that happen. And and we do. Well, there were other things that she was involved with with her sisters as far as like. A, um, performing. Performing and things like Dance. that. But but that was performing as um, as a boy. Yeah. And so when yeah. she made that social transition, um, it became a barrier because. Legal name and birth certificate hadn't yet been changed and you need those documents to be able to register to play. Although she did have a, a twin. Yeah, she actually made up, she actually actually made up a twin, right? <laughs> <laughs> twin with a tragic accident or whatever it was, right? How creative. <laughs> do you want to meet Zoe? Actually, I do. Both of us do. We're going to play a commercial and when we come back, we're all going to meet Zoe. So stay with us. Zoe is next in the transporter room. And welcome back to the transporter room. I'm Carly Webb along with Don Innes. And we got a special guest in the house. We've got a future soccer star in our midst. Zoe, how are you? And coronavirus permitting what kind of season you're going to have this year hmm. <laughs> maybe we gotta get you back to school first oh, no. right <laughs> are, are you in school right now or are you homeschooling um we're online school right now and what's it been like studying with it, the coronavirus it's been probably it's really been a mix because before the start of 2021 I was at obviously the school where I transitioned and I switched because to a different school, my pub, the one that was a lot closer to my house because, because the other school, it, it had too much stress and anxiety on me because, because even though I made up that like um, lie of, oh yeah. This, you your, know, your secret twin. 
<laughs> it was like, yeah, but the like, but the people that knew me before I transitioned, they they, you know, some of them, you know, like took it because you know, but then so, but then some other kids still kids were still like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Some kids can be mean. Hey, what's this I hear that you think that boys have no fashion sense? Um, yeah, first of all. So, so. Is that wrong? <laughs> there were, I remember when I would literally go to school last year and there would be some boys wearing like literally like a sweater, then like a, like a very, 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 like, 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 a, like, literally sweaty sweater and then like a fancy jacket and then like running shoes and then like literally like like and then like literally like a sports like um pants they have sports pants and I'm like what the heck is that outfit like <laughs> like what Zoe you know when I came out one of the things people used to always say about me before was oh it's so nice that you're always wearing bright colors and I was like well you don't know half of it and <laughs> It was because when you go boys clothes shopping, it's blue, it's gray, it's brown, it's black. And we have so many other options that are available to us. Now, I love your hair. What's your secret? Um, I don't know. I've been like growing it out since like the, like the beginning of first grade, probably. I'm not gonna lie, the thing that I like about my hair is that because it grows super quickly, Literally, like all the other girls in my grade don't even have clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, would you use a wet brush? Yes, a lot. <laughs> that helps with tangles, mm -hmm. right? That's cause I have like, the thing about my knots is that it's like, it only like, the only like actual brush that can help get them out without it like hurting and making my scalp feel like someone's like literally getting like a fishing net and ripping it all off. Like that's only like, you know. What do you think about everything that's occurred with um, the sports bills and just everything that's that's gone on when you discussed that with mom and I? The thing about it is that I really like don't like it because obviously when I was younger and stuff, I like really want to do sports, but it's like I can't because if I try to, then every single person that I'm going up against or in my team will know my secret. And the thing about that is that when I'm older, I do want people to know that I'm transgender, but not right now because that can hurt my learning experience. And because already my new school has been so much better and I've already been getting like really good grades and stuff, like literally like th a thousand times better than my other school. And you do better because you're being you, is that right? Mm -hmm, but also because I don't have to worry about people finding out. Your dad just asked you a really important question. I want to just go back to it for a second. Do you think girls like us should be able to compete with other girls? Um, yes, you should be able to play on the That's what she's asking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I want to know if you think that girls who are transgender should be able to play on girls' teams. They should because people say, oh, but, you know, they have more strength when transgender females they take hormone changers and hormone blockers so that that strength that men get when in their hormones doesn't actually happen so it would be like there's no point oh can we just get this kid in front of like you know congress or something or montana state legislature thank you <laughs>
Carly, you have a, one last question for Zoe, for Zoe, well, and then we'll let her go. Well, Zoe, well since well since you're big on fashion, and also I hear that not only you're a soccer player, you want to be a runner. Um, what what would be a good idea for a cute running outfit? Because I'm a runner too, so okay. I want to look I want to look cute when we start doing races again. So what what's some ideas that you have? So one of them is like a sports like top, but in like tie dye. Ooh. And then, like, the shorts and, like, a, like, actually, wait, change that, not tie-dye. So, blue, <laughs> pink, and purple. Like, nice. those nice. colors for the, like, so, you know, like, sports tops, sports shirts, sports sneakers, oh like, all, like, those colors. You're amazing. Oh, my God. This kid's reading my mind. That's one of my tri one of my triathlon outfits are, is one of, is those three colors. So you have read my mind. You're an inspiration, Zoe. Any advice before you go for other kids like you? Anything you want to tell other kids or or maybe their parents? You want to tell them a message about what it's like to be a kid who transitioned? The, the thing about transitioning is that it's not just changing, oh, maybe what you dress. It's changing to be yourself. And not, and when kids, and like, when I didn't transition, I didn't feel like myself at all. Like I felt like I felt like me not transitioning and because also I didn't know what it was. But then when we watched um what's what was the movie called that it has like a girl with a beard in it? Oh. Greatest showman. Oh, and I asked the girl with the beard, how is that possible? And you said transgender. And and then she told me what that was. And then literally a night after, I'm pretty sure, I said, I should have your private mom, not dad's. You started to be able to find the mm -hmm. words. Because I didn't know what it meant because I knew that I didn't want to be a boy, but that I was like, but is that even possible to be a girl, even though you're born a male? So then when I found that out, I was like, even though I'm scared, I need to tell them. I can't just lie to my parents forever. I need to be myself and I need to change this now. And I don't want kids out there to hold back from feeling that thing because even though if they're scared to like, tell their parents because they don't know what their parents are going to think that they cannot lie to themselves they have you to are you are an amazing young woman i was i was four when i told my mommy and my mommy didn't believe me she says oh you're just special but your mom and dad are amazing amazing people and you're a very lucky girl i am so so happy and and pleased to meet you thank you for taking time to talk to us tonight thank you Thank you. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you. Oh, what a great kid. Don't let her have the extra dessert, though. <laughs> so, so, so we're going to wrap up with you folks, because I want you to get back to your evening, because I've been keeping you for so long. But I want to follow that question that I asked Zoe with you guys. There are a lot of parents of all faiths, not just Christians, but a lot of parents who just don't agree with uh, what you're doing and what um, I've done and what Carly's done. And they think that we're, you know, well, I don't care what they think, but I just wanted to know what you think about those people and what, what you have to say to those folks. The only job that um, I, could, I feel I have as a parent is to make sure that I raise our children to be confident to love themselves, to be authentic. And 
to grow up believing in themselves for who they are, not trying to be who I think they should be or who anyone else thinks they should be. And I didn't know anything about what it means to be transgender. I had no idea. And I <clears throat> went through the exact same emotions that someone from the outside looking in would probably think, oh, it's just a phase. You can't choose to be someone else. Um, I thought that I just wasn't presenting enough boy things or toys or clothes. Or if I tried harder, or, you know, did things until two o'clock in the morning to try to make things more cool, that somehow that would make my child love to be, you know, uh, more boy gender appropriate. But the Wonder truth, Twins activity. Yeah. For but, love. <laughs> the, but the truth is that <laughs> you can never make someone be somebody they aren't. And my mom always taught me That's not to point. judge a, a book by its cover. Yeah. And I think the most simplest form is that when it comes to little babies who are born, we, we break the cardinal rule at second number one, right? And we think that somebody is who they are because of this one little thing that we think that we understand, and it just isn't true. That we are so much more than, than what someone else says we are or what you see on the outside. We really are valued for who we are on the inside. And I would encourage any parent of any faith or none at all to just remember that, that the human being on the inside is really the person who counts. And if you're a parent causing pain by trying to make your child be somebody they're not, it was very easy as a parent to realize that as I was doing that, the little kid looking back at me was in pain and frustrated and angry the more that I tried to push this child to try to be inauthentic. And most parents don't experience that, they, and I get that. But once you do, you see that your parenting rules don't necessarily apply if what they're doing is, is turning your child into someone who doesn't love him or herself. And that's really our main, our main job is make sure that we're being authentic and real and giving the space and love for your child to, to be that person they're destined to be. And we're just there to, to give those tools. I mean, the biggest, my mother always told me the biggest, most important job that you have is being a parent. And are you supposed to try and scream and yell and twist and turn in order to change somebody about really who they are? Well, live and let live. It doesn't work anyway. It doesn't. No. Well, and, 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 on, and honestly, and honestly it, won't, it won't work. So let people be who they are. Let Isn't people live and let live. You know, let them be, you know, unapologetic in, in who they are and what they want to be. And then watch what happens. And just smile. But you're only going to injure yourself. Get out of the mirror and start stop looking at yourself for what you want and look at them and understand what they want and then maybe everybody will be a little bit happier i know someone who should be hearing that right now in your in your state Someone named Nancy Bartow needs to hear that right now. What, what, what is your thoughts? Since I brought that name into it, what is your thoughts on 
you doing your job as parents being this hard-boiled race political issue. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you, you, it's very hurtful when people in powerful positions label your child as a threat because it's very easy to believe when you don't understand something. These transgender kids are an easy target because so many very well-natured people want to protect female sports. And for some silly reason, they think transgender girls are not girls when in reality they are. And the idea of denying transgender girls the ability to have friends and camaraderie and fitness and all the wonderful solid relationships that happen through sports to say, well, they don't deserve to have those things because we have to protect, you know, female sports and somehow these transgender youth are going to ruin female sports is, is just misguided and deceptive. I would hope and I do believe that someone such as Nancy Bardo does know better. I, I think in, in her heart, she probably does know that my child and every transgender young girl is not really a threat to anybody else. It's called a wedge issue. But it's a political I wedge think issue. It's, it's a, it's it's a, a boogeyman, problem. right? They need a boogeyman. Yeah, and there's no voice that transgender kids have themselves to fight against it. And very smart people believe that somehow a transgender woman um, is somehow different or undeserving. And they play on that fear of other and that fear of somebody who's different from themselves and use that as a way to gain political favor at the expense of these kids. And it's hard, even if the bills don't pass, our child and every child hears it and sees it and makes them feel like they're not really part of the community or they're not deserving of sports. Like or your government is coming after you. Yeah or feeling threatened. And I think those are the things our politicians need to understand. They have a greater calling and a greater responsibility. And their responsibility is to transgender youth just as it is to any uh, anybody else in the community. And I hope they start to see us um, as the equal human beings we are and that every girl, whether she's cisgender or transgender, if they wanna play, let them play. Let them play. Let them have friends. Let them have those wonderful, meaningful relationships that that form through sports. And I know that there's other things that they're worried about. There are other ways to make sure that things are fair. And it does not mean to have to exclude or out people or terrorize people in a community to get your point across. There's better ways to do it. And, and many of these politicians, they even though they may sponsor a bill, they don't even know what they're sponsoring because we've asked them and they do. they don't oh i wouldn't sponsor that well yes your name is on it sir <laughs> your name is on as a sponsor on the bill um but oddly enough because of the the politics and because of the wedge issue and because of we want to save girls well, that's, it's it's a fallacy. Then then let's save transgender girls and cisgender girls together and let them play and, and learn more about each other. Right. Well, personally, I tell those people, like, for example, they live in Arizona. And I say, you really want to help women's sports out for starters Buy Phoenix Mercury tickets. 
Yes. That would help. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, these people don't really care about women's sports. They never care about women's sports. But no. suddenly they care about women's sports only mm -hmm. because of transgender girls and women. Dude, the Mercury win a the Mercury win a win a WNBA championship, and they have to beg people to buy a ticket. The Cardinals sneeze, and everybody wants to find out something. I mean, and but for yourself, I mean, just get getting away from all the politics. Before all the politics and everything else, you're both parents, and you're both and you're both loving parents. Wonderful parents. What are the yeah? What are what are some things that you could tell? parents who may be struggling with this with their own children yes with their yeah with their own their own children's come out i mean their own child has come out and they're struggling with it and they and let's say that they email you and say jen mike what do i do i don't know what to do i don't know how i feel help me what what would you tell that parent at least at the start I would say roll with the punches and take yourself out of the picture. It's not about you. It's about them. It's about them. And if you care about them and if you love them and you want to bring them up as good citizens of the country, it's not about you. It's about them. In every situation, um, as a parent, I can remember being terrified, being pregnant, right? And there was a book, you know, what to expect when you're expecting, right? <laughs> you can at least like flip to a page and go, oh yeah, I'm cool now, you know? And like, it's it's all good because there's a manual, right? And there's, there's those little safety nets. When we realized and had those pivotal moments with Zoe where Zoe would just turn around and I can remember being in that toy store and I'm trying to make her go buy a little, little, you know, toy that was, was boy appropriate. And she's running <clears> over <throat> to the Barbie and I run her back funny, right? Yep. And then right back. And then it was the third was time, <laughs> third time where this little kid turned around in the middle of the aisle, full fist and said, ah, oh, I hate being here. It freaks me out. And that was the aha moment for me that went, what am I doing? Do you I'm, get it now? Yeah. Do you I get mean, it now? I'm trying to force this kid to buy a toy that this kid does not want to buy. What is my problem? And I think that checking yourself at the door and realizing this is not about you and it's not a problem. It's not, it, You're making it a problem because you're making this about you as a parent. That being said, once I did have that aha moment and my child was telling me something that I didn't know how to process, I didn't know what to do. But you know what I did? I sought help. I sought other parent resources. I got together with other transgender parent groups. I went and talked to physicians. I went and talked to child psychologists and got referred to the right programs where people are medically trained. They understand what adolescent medicine and, and gender they have um, familiarity and experience working with transgender youth and transgender adults. I looked for those resources, sought those resources. They provided additional resources so that when you have questions, you can build in a community and ask for help. 
because nobody navigates these waters alone, whether you're a transgender parent or not, or a cisgender parent. Know that there's help out there, that there are resources, so that you can ask questions and you can learn. And I think that was... Um, well, one in 10, one in, one in 10 is a great organization. But there are several uh, resources available for any parent and I'd be happy to help point in that direction so that if you have questions, ask, seek help, get help, and, and know that um, you're not alone. And I think half the fear that you have of a parent is, is when you think that it's, it's just you. There were a lot of things to love about how Sid told your story, our Sid Ziegler. But there's one line in his story that is my favorite line of all. And it's not going to be the line that you think it is. It's the line in which he gives your email address. You put yourself out there for other parents to reach out to you, which on top of being amazing parents who I wish I had when I was four and 10 and everything else, you're offering that help. And I wanna give you the microphone to let everyone know, we'll put it in our social media. How can folks reach out to you? If you email me at raisingtrans, R-A-I-S-I-N-G-T-R-A-N-S at gmail.com, I promise I will be an open book for you and help you in any way I can or find someone else who can provide resources for you. I've been there and there's never a silly question. It's just, we all have to help each other out and I'm, I'm more than happy to do so. We're a community. No, nobody in this world ever does anything alone, whether you're building a business or a family or you need help with a situation like this, everybody needs help and assistance. and um everybody just needs a helping hand and we want to provide that in any way that we we can because we know that there's unfortunately bad occurrences out there between suicide and and kids that leave their depression. homes and severe depression <clears throat> and in today's world of social media and videos and tiktok that can be used in in uh Bullying instead of good ways um, that there needs to be support behind it. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. We're going to set coordinates back for Arizona. And here's what I'm going to do we're going to check in with you again. We're going to see how Zoe's doing all in a couple of months or a year or so. And I have a feeling that um, Zoe and her sisters, you two are in trouble. You're, you're, you're on. Uh, you went from man on man to zone defense now, and <laughs> I up in the world. I, I can I can remember when we had when uh, we were explained. You know, oh, you got two. Oh, you got a third coming. When you have that third, you know, you're playing defense. I mean, you know, you, yeah. and in my house, even with even with the defense, that is for sure. Kendra kids, it's the same in my house. Uh, all the best to you, and thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Good night, Zoe. Good night, good night, Zoe. Have a good night. Thank you. Take care. You too. What a treat. Thank you, Sid Ziegler, for helping us get Jen and Mike and Zoe to talk with us today in this wonderful podcast. This is one of my favorite episodes ever. Yeah, but also it shows not only just, um, first, obviously, the strength of these parents and this family, but it also shows the strength of the family that we're a part of here at OutSports a family that was mo also recently nominated for a glad media award. I mean, that's right for our that's a, yes. trans uh, athletes 
who are deserving of playing in world rugby and world rugby didn't listen, but glad did. Yes, they did. And, but it also just shows why I'm proud to be a part of this team because Sid first taught first, got this story and people need to read this article. This is a really great story. And what I love about the story is Sid did something that I don't think we've ever done about sports. We talked to a 10 year old athlete who, although she's not out, she is living her authentic life. Yes. And to me, this is, this is part of what people need to see. Because, again, like, I, like I've said a lot recently, we have to get away from the debate. There is no debate. We yeah. are who we are. And uh, Marcellus, Marcellus Wiley, you should be watching this story. You should be listening to these parents. You should be listening to Zoe, and you should be reading Sid's article. Yes, exactly. And... And to all the people, um, in fact, in fact, Don, I do want to touch on this because this crossed the wire. This crossed the wire on m- late Monday night and into Tuesday. What is that? Is that there? There's a group called the There's a group called the Women's Sports Policy Working Group. Oh boy. Uh, this was a This was a USA Today exclusive by Christine Brennan. Came out late Monday. That there is a group of sports leaders that are seeking to quote protect women's sports while accommodating transgender transgender athletes. And sounds good on the surface. Sounds real good on the surface until you read the fine print of who's a part of it. Right. Sid tweeted about this. He said, basically, how do you have a working group about transgender athletes without any transgender, transgender. athletes? Well, there are, the, well, yes, there are, well, there are transgender people in it. Renee Richards is part of the group. But Renee oh, my Richards, God. Well, she's a, she's a, a trans turf. Yeah. And and Johanna Johanna Harper is a part of the group. Well, Johanna but, at least is at least someone who is um, educated and doing research. Yes. So she's got some views that may not align with everybody, but I find her to be an advocate. Yeah. Well, but, but my question is, why not a Chris Mosier? Why not say a Jillian Breeden, who will also bring some views, but also from the standpoint of someone who's who is actively competing right now. Why not some people that are actively competing, that are actively competing right now? As I mean, why not a Dr. Veronica Ivy, who's done a lot of research on this? But I look at some of these names and I'm like, okay, this is just, this is just a Martina should not be a part of it. Is she? Yes. Martina Navratilova? No. If she's she's involved in it, then that tells you all you need to know. Yeah. I mean, to me, and, and there are some people that, are, that are not bad people, but that are not bad people to be proud of it. I, I mean, it's interesting. Nancy Hogshead Maycar, former Olympic swimmer, now lawyer, Title IX lawyer involved in this. I think that's good. But when I'm reading some of the things I'm reading from the group, like when they talk about, like, this is at their website. Girls and women's competitive sport need protection, and trans girls and women need to be included with appropriate accommodations. Appropriate. What does that mean? But, but there's more. But wait, as they say at KTEL, there's more. <laughs> KTEL. There, yeah, yeah, there, no, but there, <laughs> the Supreme Court in Bostock did not resolve the question of separate sex sport. So in short, they're going, number one, everyone on all sides, read the executive order and read what it actually said. All the executive order from President Biden said was, is that the federal government's going to uphold the protections. That's that's all it said. 
It didn't say, oh, we're gonna we're gonna make sure there's a trans student athlete in every school, unlike a lot of these people. What it said was no. What we're going to do is actually enforce the the legal. We're gonna enforce the legal regulations and statutes we already have. We are going to enforce them. Yeah. And and there's a lot and there are legal scholars who are saying point blank. Their idea of what they of what Bostock said with this website saying no. You ask a lot of legal scholars saying no, that that case applies to Title IX as well. But when I read all this, when it comes down to it, what I'm reading is what I'm really reading is soft bigotry. And I'll just call it that. That's what it you're is. Being, you're being soft bigots here. Yeah, I, say, I wouldn't call them, I wouldn't call them soft. I just call them outright bigots. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm not but generous no, you are. no, my thing is, though, I use the term soft bigotry because they're trying to sneak it in the back door. See, my attitude is if you're like, for example, this this passive agenda, this passive aggressive misgendering that we saw from some people on the tweet from Marcellus Wiley. To me, if you just want to call me a man, say it with your whole chest. Don't 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 use the term biological males. Just just misgender me and go on with it. I well, I'm grown. let's remember let's remember there's three things that happen. They won't call us um, trans women. They're gonna call us biological males. Mm-hmm. They won't acknowledge trans girls and women are trans. They won't acknowledge that trans girls are girls and that trans women are women. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is they want to debate whether or not we are who we say we are. They will talk about mental mm-hmm. illness and they'll talk about other things. Those three things are all deal breakers for me. Unless yes, they will stop using the word biological male, unless they will acknowledge trans girls are girls and trans women are women, yeah. unless they will stop inserting um, mental illness as some kind of like explanation for things. The reason people have mental health issues in the trans community is because of the lack of acceptance and the complete targeting yeah. by the people who don't want to see us live our lives. I'm sorry, I'm getting angry. I don't want to be angry. I, I yeah. love everybody. I don't hate anyone. I just don't understand why would people decide that they know better than we do? We know who we are. Yes. That and girl that- Zoe knows who we are. Yes. And it's and it's kids like Zoe are the ones that you're hurting, and that's one that's that's a di- two additional deal breakers for me. One, when you go after kids, especially when you're going after trans youth, because, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote that that column in response was because I was inspired by one person, and you know who I'm about to name, Don. Monica would, Roberts. Yes, because because that was Monica. That was Monica Roberts' activism in a nutshell. My, you, Monica Roberts' attitude was, "I protect all trans people, but I'll fight like, but I fight like hell for the kids, because they're the most vulnerable." And that's a deal breaker for me. You don't go after kids. And this women's sport policy working group group thing here. The more I look at it, the more turfy it gets. And especially when they're talking about the kid, and they're talking, and these are directly talking about youth issues mostly, because we're talking about scholastic athletics, collegiate athletics. That's what we're talking about. When you go after kids, that's a deal breaker. And fifth, and fifth, I don't like the fact that these people claim to protect women's sports, yet they belittle women's sports at every opportunity. Remember what they're saying: trans women aren't women. But also, when you say that that 
this great, like, for example, when you say that Allison Felix, when you constantly have to put Allison Felix, gets outran by 500,000 high school boys or whatever, you realize you're belittling one of America's great, greatest Olympic athletes. You're belittling her. Because how can you to. say that you, no, but your thing, how can you say that you're protecting women's sports and then you belittle it in the same breath? Because they have to compare trans women to men and then by calling us men, they're then using misogyny to put down women. This is all oh, about misogyny. It's all about misogyny. I I agree, but my thing is, and but you see, this is why I'm I'm grateful. However, that a lot of cisgender female athletes are not buying the con. People like yeah. Megan Rapinoe are not buying the con. There are the more Bird. of us than there yes. are of them. They're just loud. Yes. That's all. They're just loud. Well, loud. Speaking, speaking of loud, let's uh, segue. Quietly, my little boy's <laughs> trying to go to bed. It's late at night on a Monday that we're taping this. What have you been binging? What have you been watching? Mainly what I've been, mainly actually I've been, I've been getting my thespian thing on. The vagina because, monologues are because back. Because yes, yes, the vagina monologues are back. March 5th will be the date of, will be the date of the performance at University of Hartford. It Woo! will be an all virtual performance. It will be an all virtual performance, obviously because of the COVID regulations. But for the fourth year, I'm proud to be a part of the Dramatis Personae theater troupe that at University of Hartford. Special shout out to all of them, Samantha, Samantha Norman, Caden, RJ, all of you who do who do such a great job of producing this thing. I'm proud to be a part of it again. And that's been the biggest thing I've been binging is, is getting ready for this show. And that, and it means a lot to be a part of it, especially being a part of like these young people and also just being a part of this spe of this special team, uh, a special team that continues to show me that the kids are all right. This young gen this young generation is going to be just fine. We just actually us older folk need to just kind of get out of the way and march behind them because they're showing us the way. It's not a debate with them. It's a debate with a lot of older people who are stick who are just spinning their wheels in the past and all and people and older people who are trying to seek some type of political power. You know, you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone because the times they are a changing. My thing is that I've been watching a new sci-fi show called Resident Alien, and it stars Alan Tudak. You know him as Wash from Firefly. He played <laughs> the droid in Rogue One. He is just spectacular as an alien who accidentally crash lands on Earth. And he has a secret mission that is exposed in the first episode. No spoilers, but he's to almost everyone inhabiting uh, the appearance of a guy who's a uh, reclusive doctor, like a hermit, a doctor yeah. who's retired. And everybody thinks he's this guy, but he's really an alien. And some people can see him and he's trying to blend in. And it's a very interesting drama and I love it. It was a wonderful, wonderful show. And it's got a lot of dark, dark humor. No, it's really good. I, it is really good. I really enjoyed it. Alan, first off, Alan Tudyk is a is really underused. Oh, absolutely. He is, he is truly underused. There, I mean... Strange enough, the one place I remember him from besides this was he was he was um, he was John Turturro's assistant in the Transformers movies. 
Oh, I haven't seen those. Okay. And no, and he was actually he was a scene stealer. Okay. See, that's the thing. Alan Tudyk, I know from smaller roles, very much a scene. He's a scene stealer. That's what. And 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 oh yeah, in Rogue One, God, he stole. In oh. many ways, he stole that movie. Great actor. So next week, I'm gonna have uh, some details on two things. One is Ian Alexander, which I had hoped to bring you this week, but CBS had another project they wanted me to focus on. And the project that I'll be telling you about is what Alan Kurtzman and uh, Heather Caden and other Star Trek behind the scenes production folks are mm -hmm. bringing to CBS, a new version of the Clarice Starling story, the Silence of the Lambs sequel, a new TV series. And it's dark, 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 Ooh, it's like scary dark. Like I, I think I might have nightmares tonight. Um, so this is something that I'll talk about next week on the Transporter Room. Carly, it's always a pleasure. Live long and prosper. Study as she goes. We'll see you next week. Take care. And keep your mask on. That's right.